0: Oh, and welcome to the EDH Reccast. My name is Joey Schultz, and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co hosts. Up first, he hopes that if they ever make a magic movie, it's called Magic Mike's The Gathering. It's Matt Morgan. So, the old owners of my house, I guess they used to have a hen house, and at, late at
1: night, you can still hear clucking from the backyard. Um, I think it might be a poultry geist. A poultry geist. <laughs> sorry sorry for the bad yoke or joke sorry
0: oh no matt i think it was excellent absolutely excellent well played
1: well played sir Uh, (laughs) i'm just gonna give you some shell for trying to steal my my
0: my thunder I think that this might be one of those weeks where I did better at the dad joking than you did, Matt. I, You you beat the one that I was trying to think of, so.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know what the clock you're all talking about.
0: (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) There it is. He wins it. Uh, Yeah, okay. And that right there is our next co-host. Let me introduce him uh, up next here. He knows that Phyrexians want everything to be all will be one, but he'll defeat them by reminding them that one is the loneliest number. That's Dana
2: Roach. I've been thinking about this a lot, and there's really only one thing in magic I can't deal with, and that's a deck of cards glued together. You can't deal uh, what?
0: A certified dad joke winner this week, Dana. Well done. That I at least you won't ever have to play like fifty-two card pickup or anything like that. So that's right.
2: Gonna... Yes, it solves that problem, I suppose. <laughs> You, you just play brick pickup. There you go. <laughs>
0: yeah. 52 card brick up. All right. Let's move ourselves <laughs> along here. I Ostensibly, I think this is supposed to be the EDH Rec cast where we talk about, you know, EDH Rec. <laughs> EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we'd like to do is give all of that data a little more context. Matt, do you mind telling us what it is we're talking about in this week's episode? Well, this week we're going to talk about me, that's it, <laughs> just
1: going to talk, well, okay. specifically, we're going to talk about one of my decks, uh, Dana suggested, uh, talking about our own decks and deck building processes that we go through, and so today we're going to start off with my Raga Draga Gorguts boss deck.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, hoping to do a little series of decks, uh, deck, not quite deck decks, like, cause it isn't about the deck themselves necessarily, but the things that we've learned in brewing some of these and especially the differences that our decks have between, like, what's in our lists and what's in the data on EDH Rec and what we can learn from differences like that, that hopefully give a lot of lessons to folks who are brewing up some of their own original lists. So Matt, it'll be really fun to get into, but we have to wait before we get to your, your fun deck building stuff because we got some shout outs to do, dude.
2: First, I'd like to thank Chase, also known as Mana Curves, for their help in editing the show. You can find them on Twitter at Mana
0: We're ecstatic to tell you that EDH Rec has also partnered with Coalesce Apparel and Design. Coalesce has an amazing line of magic-inspired apparel, and if you've ever wanted EDH Rec shirts or hoodies, you can now go browse the EDH Rec collection. Head to Coalesce and use code EDH Rec for 10% off your order. EDHREC also streams on WhatNot. Join our content manager Jason Alt on whatnot.com slash invite slash EDHREC. And if you sign up with that EDHREC membership code, you get 15 bucks of credit for free. So for WhatNot and for Coalesce, that's code EDHREC. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by liking and subscribing on YouTube.
1: You can subscribe on your local podcast app, or you can go over to patreon.com slash EDH Retcast, where we have patron tiers of all sorts of levels. Whether you want to join the Discord community, you want to see everything a day early, there's all that and more over at patreon.com slash EDH Retcast, including our weekly patron shout out. So this week, we're going to give one to the most skateboarding radness Tony Hawk Pro Skater patron. Uh, that's going to be Ollie Arizola. So thank you, Ollie For all of that, we definitely appreciate your support. And uh, yeah, thank
0: you for being so rad, as your name implies. Ollie, thank you ever so seriously. The Patreon support is so wonderful. And if you want to support us by leaving a review, subscribing, like Matt said, like that's all wonderful. But our patrons really do mean the world to us as well. Okay, guys, let's get into it here. Matt, as you said, we're talking about you, and we're going (laughs) to look, do a what what was the phrase that you said you liked? The, a, more of a depth tech than a deck tech to sort of get into yeah. the the minutiae about what it is that you like about this deck and the lessons you've learned from building it and stuff that sets it apart from other decks and things like that. And um, could you once again introduce us to your lovely commander that we'll be diving deep into this week? Well, I guess the first thing I should do is actually
1: read the card because not everybody <laughs> knows what Raga Draga is, even though he is the boss of the Gorguts, whatever that is supposed to mean. Uh, so, Rocket Draga is two red and a green for a legendary human boar, which is... I think this the first time we've ever had a human boar for a 4-4 that has all the abilities of. Each creature you control with a mana ability gets plus two, plus two. Whenever a creature you control with a mana ability attacks, untap it. And whenever you cast a spell, if at least seven mana was spent to cast it, untap target creature, it gets plus seven, plus seven, and gains trample until end of turn. So... There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of really cool things, but most importantly, the mana abilities. That's instantly what everybody kind of glammed onto as soon as Raga Draga was previewed. And oh boy, it's been a lot of fun.
2: So is that the thing that inspired you to like first build this commander? Because that's something I always find fascinating is is what is the thing that that, that makes someone feel inspired to build a deck? Um, cause it's oftentimes something like oddly personal, like there, or, or at least something that, that, that doesn't register with me. So somebody's like, Oh, this and this and this. And I'm like, Oh, that's not the reaction I got from that card. Whereas a reaction I'll have from something else doesn't inspire somebody else. So, like, I'm curious why this jumped out at you, someone who doesn't actually even brew that much. So. First off, if you can
1: make birds of paradise relevant in combat, I'm always going to be on board. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's that. that's kind of that that was the the instant idea was oh my gosh I can play lanor elves and they're not going to be a total throwaway chump blocker. I can play birds of paradise. And I can do all these things. So that was that was the the level zero thought process there. It was very easy. But then as soon as people started getting Kind of their their deck list online. Because I, I waited a couple weeks to to kind of see what people were doing before I committed to an idea. Everybody was doing elf ball. And elf ball's been done a million times. There's it's one of the most popular creature types on EDH rec. And that's just not what I want to do. I want to brew a deck, but I also want to have a little bit of identity. And I think that's one thing I've said many times. Dana, you've rubbed off on me. You, you've given me a little bit of a I search for hipster cred, I guess. <laughs> but I wanted to find a way that I could build the deck and it wasn't going to be like everybody else's play as many elves as you can. Finale of Devastation, untap an elf, sure. blah, blah, blah. Like this that just, that just wasn't a super fun idea to me. So I had to do a little bit of digging in order to find something that that excited me to take the deck in a direction that was going to be fun for me to play. That wasn't what everybody else was doing.
0: And what was that direction, he asks very leadingly, knowing exactly where this is going and how cool it is. (laughs) Well, well, so
1: backstory, I used to have a Gliss of the Trader deck the same as Dana, and mine was, I, I wanted to be like Eldrazi Tribal. And I tried really hard, but it was just a bad deck. It was being torn in so many different directions, so I had a whole pile of all these... Battle for Zendikar block, Eldrazi laying around. They, they were all bad cards. They don't do anything by themselves. <laughs> but then I, I was doing some digging looking for just what, what is a cool creature with cool mana abilities. And I realized that Eldrazi Scions and Eldrazi Spawn, as in the, the tokens that you make from so many different Eldrazi creatures over the years, they have mana abilities because they have the ability you can sacrifice this creature, colon, Add one colorless mana to your mana pool. Mm. So that does make it technically a mana ability, which means they benefit from Raga Draga's ability where all your creatures with mana abilities get plus two, plus two. So that instantly got my wheels turning. So I got really excited because I finally get to play some of these cards that I've tried to make work, but never had a time for them to shine. And and here it was.
2: What's especially weird about that, because that's a great inspiration and 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 a great thing to like a connection to make to make a deck unique but what's bizarre about that is almost at exactly the same time we both had the same idea like oh let's build a deck with <laughs> we did with eyeless watcher and <laughs> and brood monitor and birthing health something <laughs> right. no one's ever said and you and i said it at the same time in radically different decks
0: yeah, yeah, because you went yours in a Golgari direction, and Matt's like, "No, I'm gonna pump these up, and they're gonna hit people." Yeah,
2: yes, yeah, so so strange. Like, neither of us had built an Aldrazi deck forever, and and then we did it at the same time using the worst possible Eldrazi. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, nobody's excited to play Ghosts' Predator. Nobody, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> if you are, something's wrong. But but this was a chance for us to play those cards, and and you're yeah. right, it, Baldur's Gate, which a, a set that all three of us were homers for. We're not shy about it, mm-hmm. but it gave. The same roughly theme of Eldrazi, Scions, and Spawns. You went Golgari. I went Gruul. But we
0: still are using the same pile of of (laughs) bad cards to do it. Yeah. Well and I just want to kind of gush about some of the synergies here because I think that like when people hear it, like they're kind of like, oh, okay, that sounds neat. But like I want to like capture the vibe of what it's actually like to play against this dang Raga Draga deck because like you play a rapacious one, which makes spawns when it hits someone. So every time you hit someone with this trampling five thing, you dump out a bunch of two threes. Every time you hit something, you play a Brood Monitor and you make three of the Eldrazi Scion tokens. So Brood Monitor is six mana for 4 three threes suddenly on the battlefield. Or you cast a Skittering Invasion and suddenly you have five actually potent bodies on the battlefield and you get Raga Draga's seven mana plus trigger. Like... This deck's actually amazingly brutal. Like I, I flipping love what you're up to with this dang deck. Well, thank you, because thank that you. pump is so significant. It just you, you think of those things like ah, oh, the little dorky creatures. They don't matter that much. No, they do. They hurt. If they are relevant in combat, and it's agonizing.
1: Well, and that that was the fun challenge of the deck. So so yes, giving all of them plus two plus two, it, it made them not irrelevant. But it's also it, it's kind of hard to win games with with two threes and three threes sometimes. And so finding ways to make these otherwise very insignificant draft chaff, they're literally draft chaff. Yeah, right. A pile of these cards are all like 35 cents. The definition of draft chaff. (laughs) So it's super cheap deck. But the challenge was trying to find a way to make all of the, it was very easy to make this army and clog up the board state, but how do I translate that into being relevant during combat? And so... Thankfully, there's a lot of really cool utility cards that I do get to play in this deck that make the, the spawns and the scions even better.
0: Well, and so, Matt, I did a, a quick uh, comparison here from your deck against the average Raga Draga deck, and you have 66 cards that are unique to your version of the deck compared to the average, I believe which it. is really cool, and a lot of it comes down to, like, oh, the type of ramp spell that you're using might be like a growth spasm instead of something a little bit more predictable, because that one gives you a spawn that you can start, you know, doing fun stuff with. But the thing that I especially like is how leaning into this theme isn't just because, oh, it sounds cool, but it actually opens up some very unique synergies that are really, really exciting. For example, you Get to run more one-sided board wipes when a bunch of your creatures are colorless and all is dust would leave your colorless creatures completely alone. Like that is actually just super sick tech. I really like that. Or since so many of these Eldrazi creatures that you're playing make those tokens on ETB, you've also opened yourself up to a panharmonicon synergy if you want mm-hmm. it. Like it's yep. little little details like that that actually make this sound not just novel but like good and novel, like powerfully novel. And I think that's so wonderful.
1: Well, and there's also a lot of really cool synergies, too, that I I kind of opened myself up to with. So Raga Draga gives all creatures with the mana abilities plus two plus two. So if you animate a land, it still is a land and still has the tap or the the mana abilities where you can tap it for mana. So cards like Lana or Lone Speaker, a lot of people kind of latched onto, but... It's just such a powerhouse card that you, you you find all these random creature lands that you can animate and you just really are able to go over the top with some of these. And so it's it's super fun. And honestly, Forsaken Monument is an absolute beating of a card because lands are colorless. So <gasps> if you animate a land that also gets plus two, plus two from Forsaken Monument. Oh, what? so there's just there's so much just cool little things that I, I discovered in the process of, okay, like, what is a specific aspect of this that I can dial in on and how can I apply it? And so, honestly, this deck, the the idea and realizing what a mana ability is, it took a little bit of knowledge from the game, but I, it was rewarded because I because I knew just some random detail that didn't really matter. I opened myself up to this totally what I hope is unique brew that I've just been having so much fun with
0: yeah animating an ink moth nexus which becomes from a 1-1 one, one infect flying artifact creature land so does the mana ability uh then it becomes a 3-3 three, three from raga draga and then you cast like a 7 plus thing and then raga draga gives it another plus 7 and mm-hmm. suddenly you've like built your own Blightsteel colossus here just from mm-hmm. your stupid land <laughs> uh, dang it dude this
1: deck is so st- <laughs> like I, I i have done that that, <laughs> that 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 has been a line of play that has happened in a game and it comes out of nowhere too that's it's, it's Super powerful. I I just really enjoy playing it, and and the mana requirements too. It's it's been really weird trying to figure out how to juggle because a lot of these Eldrazi they'll have colorless as part of the mana cost. Like it has to be an actual colorless mana. It can't be generic mana. And so figuring out how can I play around the colorless requirements with my creature land. So mutavault Vault is getting played. Uh, it, nobody plays Mistress Factory, but it's fantastic here. So there's just a lot of really cool card choices that I get to make because I get to build around just random different synergies that have kind of built on each other. Throughout the
0: entire building of this deck process, no one plays Mitra's Factory. I, <laughs> I, my Baba La Saga deck over here. Like, excuse me, I do play a Mitra's
2: Factory. I love it. Too. Uh, weirdly enough, I have it. I have it in my equipment deck as well. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but one thing I wanted to admit, go back to the Ink Moth Nexus, or, or I guess any of these these creature lands, but the Nexus in particular. What's great about that kind of combo, it, not really a combo, I guess, but synergy, I guess, I would call it, is it doesn't require you to do anything you're not having to add in extra cards for there to be a kill condition it's just a land that you're running in your deck it's only two colors so you don't necessarily need the fixing that badly anyway you make a ton of mana because of how the deck works So, like you have a bunch of creatures that that tap for mana so so you can afford utility lands oh yeah and ink moth nexus turning into a to steel colossus just requires you to do the things the deck was already doing, which is cast spells. So you you don't have to put any extra cards in the deck to make it work. You just, on occasion, find yourself in a position where, oh, you're going to die right now because of the cards that were already in the deck anyway. It took up zero slots, basically, for you to have a thing that you'll stumble across once in a while that will kill somebody. And that is so efficient to find those things in decks and to put them in your decks where you just add in a way to remove somebody without actually having to add anything in.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just been so fun to find so many different random cards that, okay, I'm already doing this. What else likes to do that? Um, so cards like Viridian Joiner, it's it's a fine card. It, it gets played in like some plus one, plus one counter deck, stuff like that. But here, it's just a free three mana, mana dork. Right. It's just fantastic. Yeah, right. So it, it, it taps for three because Raga Draga gives it plus two, plus two. So just cards like that, it, just finding... These random—they're not really hidden because they're—they're available there. But just finding out what benefits more, and this is a deck too. I—we're not gonna get scions and spawns very often, right. so the deck doesn't have a chance to build on that. So finding other like just corner case things like generator servant. Who's playing Generator Servant? Not a whole lot of folks. What,
0: what is even but a Generator Servant? What is that? About? Exactly. <laughs>
1: there, there's like eight other people in the world that are playing Generator Servant. So it's one in a red, and you can tap it and sacrifice Generator Servant, and it adds two colorless mana, and then you, if it's uh, spent to cast a creature spell, it gains haste until end of turn. Well, yeah. And, okay. <laughs> That's a mana ability. It's a mana ability, Uh, but it, it helps cheat out my big things if I need them. It pays commander tax, gives raga draga haste if i need it like there's a lot of cool things and, and joey i know when we've streamed over at twitch.tv slash eh you've sat there and when i've cast a rishkar pima renegade and yes. you're like yes what what oh because i rishkar gives plus one plus one counters and if it has a counter on it it has a mana ability all of a sudden so giving raga draga his
0: own buff yep it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah, that one is that one is beautiful. That I think that one counts as my favorite move that you pull off in this deck. The Rishkar thing is just like so. It's just a chef's kiss, a chef's kiss moment. But I guess that makes me wonder, though, for you, what is the coolest move in your opinion that you've ever pulled off in this deck? So the the coolest sequence I've ever pulled off, I would say, is so.
1: Like Dana hinted at, when you're playing. Scions and spawns and all that stuff. You have access to a ton of mana at any given time in the game. Uh, you just sacrifice all your your spawns, whatever, get colorless mana. So somebody cast a board wipe, and the, the the board was very clogged up. So I sacrificed all my scions to float a bunch of mana, and it was later on in the game, so everybody had a bunch of mana. Uh, so I cast a vile redeemer, which is such a random card, but I absolutely love it. So it's uh, whenever you cast vile redeemer, you can pay a colorless, and if you do put a 1-1 colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token onto the battlefield for each non-token creature that died under your control this turn. So that just right away just refills the board state if you had five or six creatures die. Huh. Uh, it, I love it. It's a it's one of those great insurance cards. Somebody plays a board wipe. You cast this. It's kind of like some of the cards that, Joey, I know you like. They're, um, when you get to draw cards for each creature that dies, uh-huh. those types of effects. So Vile Redeemer, I cast that at end of turn and I had s- several mana still floating. So I also activated Spawning Bed, which is six and tap it. Uh, and you can sacrifice Spawning Bed. You put three one-one one Eldrazi Scions on the battlefield. So right off the bat, I, I reloaded before the turn was even over. And so then they passed the turn that went over to me. So I untapped and I cast a Forsaken Monument, which is a fantastic <laughs> card for just the format, um, where it gives all my colorless creatures plus two, plus two. So already I untap. I just cast one spell and I think I won within a turn or two. It's just so great. There's a lot of flexibility there and it was kind of a wild play because it went from board wipe, we're resetting the board to not for me.
0: Yeah, and I like that especially because I think when people see this commander, they expect that your typical win condition will be elves, elves, elves into Craterhoof Behemoth, but no. instead you're going spawn, spawn, spawn into Forsaken Monument with a double buff off of Raga Draga. Have fun, guys! Like, and that's a a, a way that is entertaining to lose to, which is really, really enjoyable. Like, people are going to remember that and be excited if if you actually manage to to stomp them. Because what a unique way to go about it.
2: Well, you've been talking about a lot of cards, I think, that don't see much play in Raga Dragon. and probably should see a little bit more. So, like, you've kind of been accidentally challenging with some stats. Maybe we should intentionally <laughs> challenge some stats.
1: I, I agree. I You may challenge some of the card choices here, but we should challenge all the stats first.
0: Listen... All that I want this year is for me to be able to do a segue just one time, you guys. Is the, this the real
1: re- stat that we're challenging is Joey's authority to make a segue. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're really challenging.
0: Oh, 2023, the year where I never get to introduce <laughs> challenge the stats anymore. That's fine. We'll take a break and come back with some challenges. But after those challenges, we will get even more into the nitty gritty of your deck, Matt. So you'd better be prepared too. That's fine with me. Let's go.
2: The first card I'm going to challenge here is um, Myriad Landscape in Niv-Mizzet Reborn decks. And, and the reason this this has come up is I've had a friend that has a, a Niv-Mizzet Reborn deck, and he's gotten burned by Myriad Landscape twice, once in each of the last two weeks, playing at our shop. Um, and it's in almost 20% of, of Niv-Mizzet Reborn decks. The problem is Myriad Landscape forces you to go get two basic lands of the same type, So it doesn't really fix your mana, and Niv-Mizzet requires you to have one of each color mana to even be cast in the first place. Um, So so he's found himself with a Myriad Landscape out needing two colors of mana and was only able to get one, and it pushed back his ability to cast Niv several turns beyond what he wanted to do. Myriad Landscape is a pretty decent card, but I do think there's a lot of situations where People either don't, don't don't realize that clause, because I've seen that clause missed, or they don't realize how much that can affect their deck. The fact that they're getting two lands uh, on a land that comes into play tapped and requires mana to activate, but it's only kind of ramping you. It's not actually fixing any colors for the most part. So if you're playing Niv, Reborn, or any five-color commander, basically, be very, very cautious of myriad Landscape, that card can actually hurt you more than it can help you, especially in a deck where you have access to green, and you can just probably go get a a land that has multiple land types and can can do multiple things with a, a Nature's Lore or Three Visits or something. So... Married Landscape probably overplayed in New Mizzet Reborn and, and a lot of five color decks.
0: I really like the the lands that find more lands. Like Crows and Verge is a cycle that I wish they would finish. Mm-hmm. Any t- I want more Crows and Verge effects. I really like that. And those might suit you better. Like, I feel like we've all seen a five color deck where they literally have only one mountain, only one forest, only one of each basic, at which point Married Landscape wouldn't get you a whole lot of anything. Sure. Yeah. I, I feel like we've all seen that. So, yeah, I feel this, that one in a five color deck. Like, I really like Married Landscape for a mono or a two color deck. But in a in a five-color deck, it, it feels like you're gonna have severely diminished returns. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, I'm gonna jump in then and I'll I'll go second so that Joey has to wait even longer to get to uh, his challenge. <laughs> uh, so the card I'm gonna challenge this week, there so there's a lot of really cool commanders that care about exiling cards these days. Uh Faldorn, Dreadwolf, Herald, Lelia, the Blade Reforged, all sorts of different commanders that like having cards exiled. And Impulse Draw is probably one of the coolest and best developments for mono-red card draw in a long time. And so a card that hasn't really caught on yet, granted it's been out for, for a couple months now, is Visions of Phyrexia. So it is two red red for an enchantment that says, At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. And at the beginning of your end step, if you didn't play a card from exile this turn create a tapped power stone token, which is you can tap it to add one uh, colorless mana and this mana can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell. So it is a little limited in what you can use it for, but being able to access more cards and having a little bit of upside every turn, there's just so much going on there. We, we talk about how frontier siege for forever, or excuse me, outpost siege outpost siege was the one that, It was one of the only really red impulse draw effects that we had. And it was highly, highly played because you just options were so limited. Now that the options aren't so limited, we just have so many cool versions of these cards that have an upside that you're able to kind of work in and just Benefit from, and you're you're getting card advantage all along the way. There are cards that we got, like Valakut Exploration, which was a fantastic version of that too, where you get to play if every time you play a land, exile the top card of your library, and then you can play that land at the beginning of and then at the beginning of your end step. If there are cards exiled to Valakut Exploration, you put them into the graveyard, and that deals that much damage to each opponent. So these types of effects, I just absolutely love. So Valakut Exploration is almost in thirty five thousand decks. And I think that's really a trajectory for a lot of decks that want to be playing these effects to pick up for Visions of Phyrexia. It's not near as powerful, but... If you need an, one copy of that effect, you probably want another, and this is a fantastic version of that, especially if you are playing artifact-heavy decks. So if you want some more red impulse draw, if you care about lands or cards getting exiled from your library, Visions of Phyrexia is a fantastic addition. It's only played in 2,400 decks right now. Uh, hopefully that changes, because I just it's such a powerful effect, and you're not going to lose all the benefit from that because you do get those Power Stone tokens.
0: Well, Matt, now I finally will go to my challenge. No more waiting for me. Um, But this is actually our listener submitted challenge, the stats of the week from one of our patrons. AJ Nixie has a very nifty uh, challenge here for the commander Baloth Baratil Entertainer, which is that red choose a background commander that goads all of your opponent's creatures that have less power than Baloth. Um, Specifically, AJ is pointing out that the card Forbidden Orchard should see a lot more play in decks where Baloth is one of your commanders um Forbidden Orchard being that awesome land that can tap for any color, but you give a 1-1 to one of your opponents. This is a really cool card in, like, group hug decks. I've used it in my own Kineos and Tiro deck for similar, you know, funny political shenanigans like that. But here in Bayloth Baratil, you're just forcing your opponents to attack with all of the 1-1s that you're giving them, and you're fixing your own mana along the way. Like, these 1-1s will be used to attack your enemies, so this is fantastic. AJ says that they did a little bit of math and sees that only about 4% of decks that use Bayloth and a background, as the commanders Um, only about four percent of them are actually using forbidden orchard right now so this is a very clever pick to take a look into forbidden orchard give your opponent stuff that you will then be goading with your commander i'm super into this one thank you so much aj and you know what? I think that also serves as a small transition back into our topic here. Thinking of a land with creatures and stuff like that. Um, and Matt, now I think it's time that we we put the spotlight on you. That we start to scrutinize your deck even further. Look really hardcore into the data and some of the specifically some of the stuff that you're not playing. Like we already know that you're not playing a lot of the the mana dorks that would characterize an elf ball deck, for example. But there are a couple of other cards that I'm I'm curious to know more why you're choosing to ignore them when so many other Raga Raga Draga decks really love them. Specifically, cards that animate a bunch of lands. So for example, Sylvan Awakening will turn all of your lands into 2-2 creatures, and that would get a huge buff off of Raga Draga. Or there's the new card Awaken the Woods, which makes a bunch of forest dryad tokens. So that would get a huge buff from Raga Draga as well. So there are a couple of other land animators that I'm interested to see if those are things that you're considering upgrading into in the future, or if there's a reason that you've decided to avoid them.
1: Well, Awaken the Woods... I, I have thought about it. I just haven't had a chance to get a get a copy and it's like $25 I <laughs> sure yeah it's more expensive than the rest of the deck almost and so that's just a budget consideration right there uh, it's not that it's a bad card because I so I'm I'm not a huge fan of permanent animation of lands um, there are some cards that do that and so. Awaken the Woods would be fantastic because you're creating separate creature tokens um, that happen to also be lands. Uh, but if it was something that animated all my lands permanently and turned them into creatures, those are the effects I'm I'm not a huge fan of. I prefer the until end of turn. That way, board wipes don't ruin me. Uh, mm. Sylvan Awakening is a good option. Uh Honestly, it, it that would probably be more considered for me personally. Just price considerations. I don't want this to be a super expensive deck. I want it to be a creative and fun deck, but not a I'm buying wins type of deck. I want to be able to play with newer players, that type of thing. Uh, so Sylvan Awakening, yeah, I, I like it. It's a good for kind of that overrun type of turn. Um, it's a consideration. I just, I I, t- I tended to focus the, the process, but I do have some cards too that they haven't really impressed me or they were kind of placeholders until I could kind of fill out. So... Sylvan Awakening and and some of those reanimation or some of those animation I should say, uh, they're good considerations and I'm I'm not I don't think anybody who does include them are wrong at all.
0: See, I was expecting that you were afraid of me playing an Ether Spouts on you whenever you attacked with all of your land creatures. That
1: too. <laughs> so so that that is why and, and I, I with all of my decks that I build. I prefer kind of the 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 surgical tools that are kind of specific but very accurate with what they're doing versus um, I'm just going to take a hammer to it. So, yes, I, I like taking hammers to my opponents with combat and everything. <laughs> but as far as my answers and the tools, I like them to be specific and take care of certain scenarios that the deck might be weak to. And so, yeah, Aether Spouts is a totally real card. Uh, Settle the Wreckage, all those types of effects. Um they get around Sylvan Awakening, and I don't love opening myself up for a one-sided Armageddon. That's just not <laughs> something that I, I like to do. So minimizing risk is something that I was always in the back of my mind, no matter what deck it is.
2: Well, since we're talking about lands, the ones that jumped out at me, because I, I didn't know they were on the deck, because I've never seen you actually cast them either. There's a couple of targeted land removals in here, Thermocarst being one. What is the thought process behind those? Because I, I don't often see people running the, that kind of effect in these decks.
1: So Thermo, Karst, and Molten, Rain, honestly, those were placeholders um, until I found okay, something okay. better. But also when you play in, the, when we play, because we, we play with each other every single week, twitch.tv yeah. slash EDH, RETCAST. yo. The both of you run an exorbitant amount of utility lands. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Both of you, if there's black, there there's Cabal Coffers, there's Urborg, there's all that stuff. And so, to me, in the thought process of building this deck, having some sort of scalpel to, to surgically get rid of certain problem cards, that's never really a bad thing. Um, it's absolutely a gotcha type of card. Uh, <laughs> nobody ever expects to see Thermo cards. No, they don't. Those were cards that... <laughs> They, they just happened to fit uh, kind of a, okay, this is gonna solve a problem because I don't really have a whole lot. But I'm also, I don't play a whole lot of land destruction effects. Uh, I'm not like you, Dana, where I'm playing Ghost Quarter in every deck. I do have a Tectonic Edge. Sure. Um, but I just, I didn't have copies and I happened to have copies of of Molten Rain and Thermocarst. Gotcha. They're not the best cards. They're definitely on the chopping block, but when I first put the deck together and I thought of, okay, if I'm playing against Joey and Dana routinely and then a couple of, of my other friends, they have a lot of utility lands that I don't want to stick around longer than they need to. So they were fine placeholders, but they're, they're definitely not cards that I, I love having in the deck. Uh, if there was a better option, then I definitely would take it. Take advantage of that.
0: I, it's just so funny to see a three mana destroy target land effect in almost anything, but especially when it's an old bordered green version, like like the right cards. Right.
1: Just like what? And, but but Joey, if it's a snow covered land, I get to gain a life. And oh that's, wow, that's, that's just a, a great. <laughs> so worth it.
2: Well, in in one thing, I guess we we should note, and I guess it's 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 fairly obvious from the fact that the, this is a Baldur's Gate commander, so the deck is relatively new. But but this is the kind of thing too where these this deck that you've had Matt for for months versus decks you've had for years. Like there is going to be more experimental cards in a deck like this than mm-hmm. one that you've got a hundred in twenty reps with sure. the, over the course of five years and have made a ton of tweaks. This is uh, exists in a much rawer state than some of the other decks, which is actually one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This this deck, there there are still many tweaks and, and many improvements that can be made. Uh, I'm not super in love with Under Mountain Adventure. I was kind of excited to to play around with it. But initiative is that it's a mechanic that we've we've talked about a little bit too. It puts a lot into the game. Mm. Uh, it's harder to keep track of. And so I love Monarch. And Monarch, if if it said that Undermountain Adventure, you became the Monarch instead of take the initiative, I wouldn't be considering taking it out because I love Monarch. It, it's such a great incentivizer. Initiative is a little more work. And I'm not super in love with that either. So yes, it's fantastic. Yes, the ceiling is incredibly high incredibly high but i also don't think it's really worth all that effort to, for the payoff that you're gonna get
0: well and that's a shame too because under Mountain adventure four mana three four vigilance you take the initiative and it taps to add two green or if you've completed a dungeon you add six green. like yep. every piece of that sounds amazing for this commander because i mean it starts as a base five six when your commander's in play that gives you mana and it attacks with vigilance like all of that sounds really good but yeah, like you mentioned on a previous show, you're optimizing this deck for your experience, not necessarily optimizing this deck for like getting every bit of value that you possibly can. So right. I totally get why that's the kind of card that isn't necessarily going to survive the cut. But it was fun to try out, and and
1: for the most part too, this this deck is fairly budget. I, I like having this deck around to play with folks that maybe don't have access to to a lot of super expensive cards, or maybe they're newer to the game. So It's a learning tool, too, because you get to, oh, this is what happens when you have a man ability. This is what a man ability means. And I also don't want to overpower them with some deck. You'll notice that obviously doubling season would be amazing in this deck. I don't have to tell you doubling season is amazing and accidentally in every deck. (laughs) But I also I don't have doubling season. I don't have parallel lives. I don't have a lot of those big money cards that I could have that obviously would be very, very powerful. But. The doubling season is worth almost the price of the rest of the deck.
2: <laughs> right. Day. Yeah. The, the price on doubling it, whenever I look at it, it's somehow gone up and I, I'm, I'm more and more shocked than I was the previous time I saw it for real.
1: Yeah. It, it's so like, I enjoy having this like relatively bulk pile of cards that the, there are a few, you know, expensive cards, uh, forsaken monument. That's 10 bucks now. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's a fairly affordable and, and the power level is kind of capped that way uh it's not doing anything oppressive. It's just here here's the thing. It's what we're doing what we're doing. Um we're gonna overrun you. And like eventually, if I'm winning because I'm casting nine mana Eldrazi, that means I had to have the mana to get there. So the games went on. If if I'm winning because Eldrazi Devastator, this this eight nine with trample and that's it happened to win the game, like that's still a fun game because mm. combat, you're you're gonna get there eventually.
0: So I'm kind of curious in in my the the spirit of continuing to skewer your deck with the yeah. hard hitting questions here, Matt. I'm I'm kind of curious, like what you perceive this deck's biggest weakness to be.
1: Uh, well, so sometimes it can just run out of steam. Uh, you you play all these hmm. otherwise pretty bad cards that we've been talking about this whole time. Like it, <laughs> you play Nest Invader. Okay, that's not super exciting unless all the synergies there. So if if Raga Draga gets removed a couple times and he gets too hard to cast. Uh, I don't hit any overrun type of effects. You're kind of stuck with all this literal draft chaff of commons and uncommons that otherwise aren't very good at all. Um, so yeah, if if the synergy doesn't line up, it's just a pile of cards. (laughs) It's literally the, this is what I had laying around type of deck. Um, so yeah, if if the synergy doesn't line up, it can be pretty brutal. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of board wipe recovery other than a couple good cards, um, but yeah, so it can run out of steam pretty quick. Uh, I do kind of lean into needing some sort of engine to keep the party going. But that's a lot of decks. Um, but specifically with any synergy heavy heavy deck, if if the synergy isn't there, the cards just aren't doing a whole lot.
0: See, that's actually kind of interesting to me because looking over this list and comparing it to what I see in the average deck data for Raga Draga, like again, what we see there in the average deck is that it's very elf ball, which also kind of has that reputation of also having that stumbling block. Like if a Wrath happens in an Elf ball deck kind of gets shut down completely because so much of the Elf strategy is about putting, it just dumping your entire hand into play. And if it gets you know answered, if someone wipes the board, then you've got no more cards left in your hand, all your stuff is dead and it's hard to rebuild from there. And this actually looks to me like the type of deck that might be more resilient to those types of stop gaps. Um, to a, it, it feels like it would recover a little bit better because so many of your things make tokens and you don't need to actually play too many cards to create a whole bunch of bodies um, but you still have the same issue of potentially running out of steam is that because of board wipes or is it because of um, the engines not lining up or is that kind of a mix of all
1: some uh, kind of a mix of all of those you'll, you'll notice uh, in my recursion i have regrowth i have retrieve which was a, a, an uncommon from uh the seventh or eighth time we went to innistrad um <laughs> but also split the spoils which is kind of a, a factor fiction for your graveyard so i prioritize needing some of those big important cards to the deck and so if, if they get removed um, I want to try to get the back uh, that that's a big part of what I'm trying to do um, so if if I run out of steam and I need to get an Emrakul's Hatcher back I'm able to do that and just and start to fill the board up again um, that is one thing that I've kind of prioritized in there um, but yeah it, board wipes and, and honestly I didn't build it with a whole lot of answers in the deck either there's there's a few there uh, it's always super satisfying countering something Otherwise, game ending with a warping whale. Dana, you can you can back me up on this. <laughs> yes. But nobody ever expects warping whale, and so that's another fantastic moment.
2: Well, and especially in this deck, you know, warping whale only hits um, sorceries um, in terms of that the the, the counterability on it, which is the thing this deck might well be most like. Concerned about it because mm-hmm. yeah. board wipes are almost always sorcery speed. So like, it's you have basically counter target board wipe as a counter spell that you're running in a <laughs> deck that doesn't have blue. Like that's very, very powerful in this kind of deck.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And nobody ever expects it to. I mean, granted, I'm playing Gruul. So Red Elemental Blast is always probably kind of in the back of people's minds, especially if you're Sheldon Mentory. Because <laughs> um, Joey loves getting Sheldon with that card. But Warping Wells is just another gotcha type of card. Uh, this I have three instances in the deck. Uh, so this deck very much operates at sorcery speed. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of opportunities to have those gotcha moments. Uh, so what little I do, it has to be fairly high
2: impact. I, I do do want to quick point out the amazing sentence that Matt said a, f- a minute or so ago. If I really need to get that emracles Hatcher back, <laughs> 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 which is probably not a thing very many Indian players have ever thought or said, but absolutely said not seriousness, and that's that's amazing.
1: But but I mean that's just how the deck operates. If I can make yeah. four bodies, fantastic. That's that's what I need yeah. to do. And and so, I like I said, if the synergy doesn't play out the way I need it, if it's not there, the the deck is very very good at turtling up. I'm going to make a whole bunch of zero one chump blockers and just buy myself time. So unless somebody has some sort of overrun or trample type of effect or just evasion, I can turtle up pretty well because if, if even if I'm drawing you know whatever scion maker i mean that's still gonna be three four bodies typically which is gonna give me time to to kind of do my thing
0: yeah i I think honestly like it's been fun to just kind of gush about this deck like for me like because i i honestly just think it's a, a, a just so dang funny that like a zero one token might actually be my downfall. Like that just is an absolute. It,
1: it might actually be a four or five beating you down. Yeah, right.
0: Right. Exactly. Like that is genuinely hysterical to me. But I think one of the things that I enjoy most that like I'm taking away from your deck list is like the the priority that you've placed on this deck list is kind of like you said those gotcha kind of moments with something a little bit silly like the warping whale or like the red elemental blast. Like you've taken you've taken an experience that someone definitely didn't expect. And I wonder if like. You know, you mentioned that there are certain like stumbles that can happen to it that it might run out of steam, and you haven't prioritized the optimization, the tuning to make sure that this is the most well oiled engine that can possibly ever be a well oiled engine. And you've gone instead for a build that is going to most hopefully cause people in the game that you're playing to go wait what is that what does that do like yes that is the the way that it feels that you've built this and that to me is my biggest takeaway because i tend to get really caught up in building a deck where this is the most perfect engine that ever engined. like if we talk about my Saga <laughs> deck like that has been hyper scrutinized to a t you know i am meticulous with how many enchantments how many artifacts how many creatures how many what is my mana curve whereas you are just like My priority here is joy. I need to see other people smile. And I think that's a fantastic takeaway that makes your deck the most different for me.
1: Yeah, this deck is definitely optimized on the axis of I want to have a fun social. Oh, my gosh, what the heck's going on type of moments. But also too just a deck that's optimized for my own play experience, a deck that it's doing things that I like to do. It's, It's making something small, making a bunch of these small things and then making them huge and running people over with them. Uh, that it's just those are the types of things I love doing. I love feeling feelings, and like of course I it, it's green, so I have to have Rishkar's expertise. Even though, <laughs> so Rishkar's expertise, Dana. I know you're gonna make fun of me for trying to downplay Rishkar's expertise because it's such a high ceiling card. But the best thing that I've ever cheated into play, I think, was a Viridian Joiner because all the all the spells <laughs> that I want to cheat into play for free or cast for free with Rishkar's expertise. They all cost like nine mana, so I don't get to do anything super cool. But it's like okay, like I got an eyeless watcher. Wow,
2: yeah, that is kind of the challenge sometimes because I, I have Rishkar's expertise as well in in my um, Cyan and Spawn deck. And yes, it, it feels a little underwhelming when you the thing you put into play costs three mana. Yeah, and, and that's
1: the, the the deck has a lot on the short side and a lot on the big side, so. Yeah, I love Rishkar's expertise. I'm not going to not put it into a monster's deck. <laughs> right. But right. It, but it's also just like, oh, dang, like I, I kind of... You didn't whiff, but you didn't get a whole lot of value for it. But also, so we talked a while before, and, and one of the, the one of the sacred rules that I, I absolutely would hate for, to come to Commander is sideboards. But I'm still playing Spawn Sire of Ulamog. Oh, I know yes. that sideboards don't exist. and And so the second ability where you can... Pay 20 mana and cast any number of Eldrazi cards you own from outside the game without paying their mana cost. I don't care about that ability. I don't want sideboards and Commander. But if I can pay four mana to make two bodies, that is perfect for this deck. Uh, I don't think I've ever attacked with Spawn of the I just want to make an army, and that makes a lot of armies.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, that's a card that you really just don't get to see. And so you found, yeah. yet again, a way for people to be like, wait, you're playing what now? Yeah. Like, and that's a yeah that's just optimizing you're for playing play.
1: sponsire of ulamog and you don't have your binder with you to
0: cheat all these cools <laughs> in a play no get out of here i just want to make zero ones i'm playing a sponsire of ulamog that really doesn't require a rule zero conversation i'm not planning on doing anything from outside the game
1: <laughs> right. I, I i do not want any accommodations for this card i just want to make my little buddies that's all i want to do
0: I think that's a fantastic pet card thing there. Although I do, you know, I can't help but notice that you seem to be playing um, some very pesky pet cards. Uh, Let me, Soul, Guide, Lantern, and Relic of, (laughs) I want to say Progenitus, something like that? Progenitus. Progenitus. Yeah. I've never heard of these cards before. You should probably just toss them. They might be your pet cards, but I think they're probably just, Uh, you
1: you know. You know, there's just enough utility in those types of cards. I can maybe stick around for, get some graveyard hate um, because- I don't do anything with graveyards. I, I'm whatever, <laughs> um, but being able to just cantrip out sometimes it's valuable in, in, in a card or in a deck that, uh, if it runs out of steam, just cantrip out and you're good to go. Um, they're they're fine cards. Um, Relic of Regentus. It, it's weird seeing it be five dollars because I remember when I was like a nickel yeah so <laughs> right. i i just boomered myself right there but it happens from time to time
2: um well i know we are not doing a deck tech and we're we're not but th- there's one card one card i want to suggest you for this deck man okay kindred summons kindred yes so kindred okay. Summons, okay five green green choose a creature type and reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal x creature card with the chosen type where X is the number of creatures you control of that type, and those cards come directly into play. So almost everything in this deck, including your spawns and scions, are an Eldrazi. Oh, no. So oh, no. So you're yep. going to, at least in, in, in my version of this deck, when I cast that, I regularly put like eight to ten creatures in play, most of which <laughs> then make multiple spawns and scions. That they do. Off of, off of them coming into play as well. That they do. So I, I actually, of that whole cycle, Kindred, um... Discovery might be one of the weaker ones, or Kindred summons. Excuse me, maybe one of the weaker ones, um, but not in this deck. Not <laughs> not in this deck. This deck no. it's really, really good when you start putting in, you know, four, four, five, five drawsies that also bring in three or four or five spawns with them.
0: It's even a seven mana spell to trigger. To tr- that's Raga-Draga. what I was going to go. getting ready to exactly. say. Yeah, it,
1: it triggers Raga Draga. You get to untap stuff. And and I, one thing too that that we haven't mentioned yet. Not to change the subject on you raka draga giving all of your creatures with mana abilities pseudo vigilance is wildly underrated yes Um, that's one thing that we did kind of glommed over real quick but it is super super relevant that not only are you attacking with these five fives and and four fives and whatever but you get to untap with them and then you have them as blockers too that's such an amazing ability so yes uh but back to your point dana kindred summons yes it does trigger Rocket draga but if you even even if you're just getting like 4 or 5 creatures off of this, it still is fantastic value.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. I'm Dana, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, and I you know, looking over if as as we're making suggestions, I'll try and make a sincere one that isn't just take out your relic of progenitus. Um <laughs> I I do if you're running out of steam like you said, I feel like there's still plenty more room for the green's excellent excellent or even red's excellent excellent versions of card advantage that could still be explored even further with this deck. Mm-hmm. And if that's the issue that you're running into, I feel like even more of those fantastic green spells um are going to serve you even more. They just might look different than the stuff that you're used to. Like you know, Cards Expertise is one of your favorite cards ever, but you're used to playing it in decks that routinely have, like, 12 power creatures in play, and here you're playing with a lot of creatures that are a lot smaller. So I think it just, you know, will take a a different... Look at the green draw available to you. You might even prefer Red's Impulse draw, the Reckless Impulses, and all of that stuff instead for this type of deck mm-hmm. um, to help you with the the recovery um, and make that engine more enginey, I guess a little bit. Uh, yeah. Not to like optimize and, and super tune the deck, but if you are running out of steam, I don't want you to run out of steam. I want you to crush people with your amazing Eldrazi. Oh, well, well, thank even you. Even if even if by people I mean me. Uh, so <laughs> if if we're if we're offering the advices, I think that exploring different types of card draw um, than the stuff that you that you might be most used to is probably a good lesson to take away too
1: yeah absolutely and, and there's cards too like a lot of the draw engines in the deck they're not really engines they're just one shot um adrenaline boost to the deck and you, you have your your harmonize your rich cards expertise but shamanic revelation is super powerful i just you only have one copy in the deck and so finding ways to kind of to to maximize your your opportunities to get stuff like that that's where the deck does struggle a little bit and so yeah diversifying the portfolio, as they say, um, definitely something that I, I probably should do at some point.
0: Well, and it's hard because a lot of the custom stuff that you would want to go to would be like Return to the wild speaker. but Raga Draga is a human. It's a boar, but also also a human. So like some of the, the go-tos are not necessarily there. So it might be worth exploring uh, maybe a little bit more into Red Zimple Straw, especially because that will help you keep more budget because like even Guardian Project is going to be like, what, 11 bucks or something like that. So yeah, I think that this is a, a, a good lesson not to always take all of our baggage of like, oh, you know. This is always a good card. Well, this is a new type of strategy and it will have different needs as a result of that, even with some staple effects.
1: I would say, I'll, you you say this is a very good card, but you leave it to me to find a way to make a card bad because it's <laughs> not specific enough. And, and here we are.
0: Return to the Wildspeaker, no, but Sponsire or yes. Like yes. That's, that's where we're at with this deck. And that is not a thing you can say about many decks. And no. I'm glad that we got to explore why that is the case. And like, that's just, sorry, just, yes. it just totally cracks me up.
1: It's a fun time. It's, it's been a lot of fun brewing this deck. It, it was just kind of one of those knowledge checks of okay, so how much do you know about the game? How can co- how can you apply this to your deck building process? And and honestly, this Raga Draga, it, it's one of the reasons why I challenged myself to brew more decks, to, to go through this process again and, and have fun exploring and not just rely on pre-con commanders to kind of carry me into all my new decks. Is how can I how can I take this adventure that I got to go on? And it was a lot of fun but what else can I do with it? I want to look for opportunities to build decks like this that people say, oh my gosh, that's that's a different take. That's a lot of fun. But also, it still is very, very powerful.
2: And Matt got to talk about his his favorite subject this week, which was him. Um, but <laughs> we'll be taking things in a different direction the next couple of weeks and talking about my favorite subject and Joey's favorite subject, which is me and Joey, respectively. Also, uh, yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so coming up next few weeks, we'll be doing the same thing with, with a deck from each of us to kind of try to give some insights into how we brew and, and why we make the choices we make in decks.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so silly. And for the record, Dana, that isn't true. My favorite subject isn't me. My favorite subject is my graveyard. <laughs> that, that is fair. That is a fair I thought, point. I,
2: I thought you were going to say me. It was <laughs> that I was also <laughs> my favorite subject I is also you. Also, yes, I, I uh,
0: also like talking about you, Dana. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, Lord. Yeah, no, this was fun. It's it's cool to do a you know a, a quick dive into what the deck is, what it says about the person who built it, the lessons that you can take away from that. And hopefully that's something that Dana and I can also share with y'all in the weeks that are yet to come. This will be a fun triplicate of episodes that we are looking forward to getting a little bit more personal, but still showing what it is, you know, why do we deviate from the data sometimes, and how can that be such a wonderful experience and how many things you can learn from it. So yeah, I am certainly looking forward to our favorite favorite subjects, dana whatever they may be. Um but yeah, Matt, thank you so much for putting your Gorguts boss up onto the uh onto the pedestal for us to talk about and um I look forward to all of your Aldrazi stuff coming at a game night very soon. Yeah.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's one of my favorite decks to play lately and uh I'm sure if you tune into twitch.tv slash EDHRECCast, you will see it at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Speaking of different websites and things, uh, Matt, we're going to call this episode to a close, but where can our listeners find us if they want to get in touch with us online? So you can find me at the Twitters, that's at mathemus55,
1: M A T H I M U S 55. And don't forget, we are streaming twitch.tv slash Redcast every Wednesday evening. We have guests on every single week. It's always a super fun time. So make sure you tune in for all of these awesome decks that we get to talk about now um, and more
0: hey deja vu and Dana how about you
2: you can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach you can hear me on the other podcast CMDR Central for a few more weeks at least we just announced for wrapping up that show here pretty soon Hey, and uh, congrats and on that R- run for- by the way yeah th- thank you very much episode 350 is coming up and that will be our last one we will uh, all good things come to an end so we figured it was the, the time to to kind of uh, go gently into that good night, but I will still be here on this show and I'm still writing uh, articles for EDH Rec and Commander Terrell.
0: And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on the onlines. and you can find the cast at EDH Rec on the Facebooks or the Twitters, basically everywhere online. Look up EDH Rec you'll find us. But if you've got a question for us, you can contact us at EDH at gmail.com. Once again, our thanks go out to Chase for assisting me with the post-production of the show. You can find them online at Manacurves. And listeners, we'll be back at you next week with more data and fun insights. But until then, remember to EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck.